the America's Jobs Team Podcast for economic developers by economic developers. Join the Consultant Connect team every Thursday for discussions surrounding the latest in our industry. Learn from fellow economic development heroes, get leadership advice, keep on top of industry trends and shifts, and so much more. You are a part of America's Jobs Team. And we're so glad that you're tuning in. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the America's Jobs Team. I'm Carla Sones, and I am really excited about today's interview because we have one of the best with us today. Over the past two or three years, I guess, Jason, we've got to spend a little bit more time, and I've been able to experience San Marcos, which has been awesome. I've, I've fallen in love with that community and that region and excited to go back again um, this year in 2022. But you're one of the top 50 American economic developers this year, and we're delighted to have you on the podcast. So Jason, I want to start with you just giving a brief introduction of who you are and maybe a little bit of a background on where you've been and your career up to the point of being at Greater San Marcos. Awesome, Carla. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Uh, thank you so much for the honor. I mean, it's really a prestigious honor to be named this and, and an amazing company, quite honestly. It's, it's an impressive group. Uh, and all that you guys do. So yeah, excited about the opportunity. I am with the Greater San Marcos Partnership. So we are a regional economic development organization here in Central Texas. Uh, We're nestled in between Austin and San Antonio. Quite honestly, I tell people we're in the best spot in the country for a lot of reasons, if not the world, uh, because the epicenter of growth tends to be in between these two amazingly fast growing cities. Uh, So I had the opportunity to come to Texas about three and a half years ago via Connecticut, of all places. So uh, my career started back in Connecticut, where I was born and raised, uh, did my educational training, both undergrad and graduate there, and fell in love with the field of economic development, got to understand the business community, and then ultimately the challenges and opportunities that go with that. And over a period of time, was able to then work for some public-private partnerships, uh, worked on the private side of economic development on behalf of some governors and some others, where we built strategies. We attracted companies internationally into the U.S. market via Connecticut, worked with major universities in in that kind of similar space, uh, birthing the first ever Office of Economic Development in a major higher ed institution. Did that for a couple of years and came to Texas on a business trip and just fell in love. Found the opportunity here. It's an amazing place once you get down here and see it. Nothing like people think. It is not deserts and horses and cowboys. It is a growing metropolis of green, lush grounds, rolling hills here in Central Texas. And and like I said, the epicenter of companies wanting to come to a state that is just rational in decision making, wants to see growth in all ways. So came down here as a VP of economic development. And within my first six months, my boss at the time, who uh, had been there for about six years, decided to take a new job with the governor and to lead economic development for the state. So brought me down here from another part of the country and then left, which was okay. Thankfully, our board saw me as an opportunity and asked me to step into that role. And ultimately, after a national search, uh, provided me the opportunity to lead the organization, which I've been doing now for the past uh, two and a half years or so. And we've seen unprecedented success, which has been most exciting. Um, Our numbers are just off the charts. We've closed the same amount of capital this year as we have through our entire history of our organization, if you could believe that. So it's exciting. Uh, we have an amazing team. Uh, we do things differently that I know we'll probably talk about. And uh, that difference has differentiated us in a great way and allowed us to bring jobs and investment into our community. 
I love that. And I love, I mean, you have just a wealth of knowledge of all the different places that you've done economic development, which is so cool. And I love your passion for the area that you're in, in Texas. It's contagious. And I think I know that's part of what you do, your team does differently is just give off that kind of contagious energy around what you do and where you are and the opportunity. I want to circle back for a second because the Greater San Marcos like regional partnership, we're seeing more and more communities and in many in Texas that have started to say, you know what, we functioned as a city for a while or county as a while. And now we're ready to really put this region and collect this region on a map. And I think we always have talked about regionalism and the importance of that in economic development. But I feel like right now something has shifted with more and more emphasis on workforce and talent pipelines and housing and transportation. And can you talk a little bit about that Texas Innovation Corridor and that like regional strategy that you all Put together and when where you see that going in the next years as you're experiencing this boom and you know housing will be a, a, something that you need to regionally look at it's not just community if you're stronger looking at it as a region than just city by city that, that's right that's right and for so many reasons so we were founded 12 years ago on the whole premise of creating a region looking at each of our communities, they all have great unique assets, but they're all small, right? How do you scale and leverage the resources given to you and truly have an impact? And that's what we were kind of based upon was to bring that the public entities together, leveraging the private sector dollars because public sector dollars are so scarce. How do, how do we leverage those? So we were formed in that way and it's truly transformed the approach in economic development. I would tell you right out of the gate, site selection knows no borders, right? As we all know, when they're looking at a region, they're not looking at it by town or by just a regional group even. They're looking at it under big, big regional uh, demographics and, and geographies. So that's kind of the, the ultimate thing is that there is no borders and we have to accept that. And site selection is going to continue to do that. But as you mentioned, economic development has kind of broadened its scope now into areas non-traditional, right? The housing issues, other things that, yes, we were involved in, but quite honestly, we're never at the forefront. So for us, one of those key things is talent, right? The talent drives every decision these days. And for us, the more we're on a regional scale, the more we can work with our independent school districts. We can work with our community colleges on a regional approach, our four-year institutions on a regional approach, leverage those relationships so those entities know they can come to us as a one-stop and get a breadth of communities as opposed to coming to one community, having to then build a relationship with the next and the next and the next. All of that changes. But those assets become regional assets, not just individual community assets. Like we have a major four-year institution sitting in, in one of our communities. It's not just that communities. It's the regions. And quite honestly, a very large region at that. Uh, so it's, it's one that we can scale. And it's one that's really, really important. The last thing I'll add here that's also critically important on the regional basis, it's also helped us necessitate and build infrastructure. Infrastructure is so important for a state like Texas. And I know a lot in the South when you're looking at mega sites and these huge things, sometimes you don't have the infrastructure needed in place. Well, guess what? Running that through other towns or other regions to activate a site now activates several other sites along that path. And if you think about it on a regional basis, now you can create a larger enclave. If that mega site is home to a large company, that new wastewater pipe or new other, other type of underground or overhead utility now becomes activated for future sites alongside it. And you can only have those conversations at scale if you're thinking at it at a regional level. So in my mind, I see regionalism really taking off 
in a, in a very accelerated way over the next several years, I think it's, it, it has to happen. There's no other way around it. Uh, where we're sitting between these two major cities, we represent a good chunk of that region in between. But honestly, I think more and more we need to scale just as much as those around our state or those around our country need to think about how to do economic development at scale, realizing we all win, we all benefit. They all live in the community, whether that company resides in this location or another, everybody wins. Built on that principle of transparency and honesty and just being open about it creates a lot of success, a lot of trust, and ultimately the win for the community. But that that regionalism component is just going to be critical for the future. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I know I said this already, but you can just tell when you're talking to you or any member of your team, or quite honestly, a lot of the regional partners that you have in that region, there really is just this enthusiasm about where the region is going and the opportunities. Can you kind of forecast, like when you think out like 10 years, what do you think that region is going to look like? Like, what do you, what is your hope? I, I think it's not even a hope. It's probably pretty much imminent at this point is that we will be a major Metroplex, essentially the, so for those that don't know, Austin to San Antonio, that drive is only a little over an hour, hour and hour and 15 minutes. So you have two major cities in the United States located that close together. So in between that space, you're already seeing a convergence of companies saying, how do I take advantage of these two major markets and also take advantage of the fact I'm sitting in the middle of the country to move my product, you know, either coast or even internationally. So being nestled in between these two cities, they're just converging and it's becoming a blur. And you're seeing that companies aren't even starting to define themselves now associated to one market. It's just all one. So Mm -hmm. I think over the next 10 years, you're going to see us not only grow north to south as these cities combine, but actually east to west because it's pushing out. And as it pushes out, it activates and bring other counties that are quite honestly very rural right now into the forefront because that's where housing is going to be. That's where other amenities will be. And you need to move the the products and people off the major highway that sort of is that connecting point into other ancillary thoroughfares to ensure those sites are activated and brought to the forefront and alleviate the congestion and other things we're seeing. So in my mind, 10 years from now, it's going to be mind-blowing because 10 years previously, from every account, I can tell you stories, it's mind-blowing to see the growth. One of our communities 10 years ago, jokingly, you heard this when you were down here at the FAM tour was we had a community that 10 years ago celebrated their first ever traffic light with 7,000 residents. Fast forward 10 years, there are over 60,000 people. And it's mind-blowing, but that community is exploding, and they're probably going to continue to see that level of growth for the foreseeable future. Uh, That kind of growth is unbelievable, and that's why economic development, again, is so important, right? These, These groups, going back to our regional thing, are critical to make sure we're addressing these needs and not just growing so fast that we're causing more issues and more congestion more headaches. No, we're doing controlled growth. We're managing the growth and we're ultimately seeing uh, success as we as we continue to grow our region. Yeah, I want to ask you a, a question about that because, you know, I love that vision and I know, I mean, I've been there. I have family that lives in, you know, your region essentially. And, you know, when I was there 10 years ago in like the San Marcos area, New Braunfels area, it felt like a little bit more rural, like small town. And it, And it definitely has grown even in like eight years, you know, since I came back. But I can imagine that as you're preparing for all of this new development and as the cities are converging, you probably have some cities and and counties and local leaders that have mixed visions on what we should be attracting, how we should be building this out, who should get what. 
And the role of that regional group, as you stated earlier, is to help, you know, shed a vision and kind of bring people together and help build common consensus. And can you talk a little bit about how you're just navigating? So many communities right now are kind of struggling with with navigating some of the political shenanigans that can happen. And as economic developers, you know, you're trying to work things. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle, you know, a, a local official is on. It's all about growth and vitality and jobs and well-paying jobs for those people in that community. So how are you kind of handling just the political atmosphere and how are you navigating that with a lot of growth and a lot of different cities that have kind of had their own little identity, you know, for many, many years? Sure. It's it's quite, it's fun. I will tell you, I enjoy it. It's definitely part of the challenging part of the job, but in a good way. Uh, you know, the first thing we do is bring everybody into the into the conversation. So nobody's left out. So our board, for for example, in our organization is 39 individuals. Huge, huge by any account. When I first walked in, I thought it was crazy, but it makes a lot of sense, right? Everybody's voice is at the table. And that's important to both public and private sector because everybody's got different needs, wants, and desires. And by having that conversation, we collectively get to a place where the region can see its growth. And that's really, really important. Uh, by having that dialogue and that conversation. We have communities that don't want to see growth. They are just comfortable with where they are as a community to welcome executives or others to live, but they don't want the manufacturing company or that large distribution group near them, but they don't mind being in close proximity. And that's fine. That diversity, we all leverage through a large strategic plan that we're executing as we speak on behalf of the region. So critical piece, but one of the some of the things we do very intentionally one, it's all built on the foundation of trust and transparency. I will tell you, our whole organization is founded on that. It's one of my biggest virtues for the organization is just being very open and honest about it. So folks understand and learn economic development as much as we want to control it, right? Animal is an animal of its own. Doing that, you have to be prepared on how you manage that. So one of the things we, we instituted a couple of years ago was an economic development 101. And it was a essentially like a class, call it, for elected officials. So as they take office, we build a forum only for them. So we insulate only them to make them feel very, very comfortable to ask the basic questions that they may feel are just elementary or things that they should already know. Well, no, you don't know it. It's okay. Bring it forward in a forum where we educate them on all the things that include economic development and introduce them to the team that they have at their disposal to ultimately lean on as issue experts. The more they can realize they can pick up the phone and call one of us about an issue, they then understand we're just educating them. Ultimately, they're the drivers of the policy and and putting forward exactly what they wanna see in their community, but it's really helped us uh, evolve the conversation, certainly bring them into the conversation, understand the nuances and complexities of it. So it's really one of those things that's so, so critical. And then for us, my folks internally know, and we're built on it, is there's never enough communication. The more you can continue to create a dialogue with your elected leaders, your administrators within those cities, your other investors, if you're a partnership like us, that's always, always critical. The more you can inform them, the less an issue becomes something ever because they're informed from the beginning throughout the process. And again, we know, we understand, we can't share everything, right? In our world, there's certainly plenty of NDAs and plenty of confidentiality issues, but what we can share is important. And the more we can do that, the more we can put it out there. We've even taken, I'll give you one last example, one area we've ran towards, I tell people, uh, is something that most economic developers run away from, 
but we've run towards it. And that is building a very comprehensive conservation plan for our region. So we're actually looking at where growth should happen in our community and actually working with environmental groups and others that traditionally only come out to raise their hand and say, I don't want to see that development. Well, no, we've brought them to the table and we're working alongside them to really put a plan together to say we should be growing by some of our natural resources. That makes sense. By default, the cost implications, everything are not right for it. But over here, let's all agree this does make sense. This is where housing is and where density is and where infrastructure is. Then then when we have a project, there shouldn't be a butting of heads. It should all be, we're all moving in the right direction because we recognize that we're still preserving while growing at the speed we are. So Things like that we're trying to kind of put together, grow. It brings our public sector leaders, whether they're on one side of the aisle or the other, under the same umbrella, having the same conversations. And we're not shy about it. We'll run towards those people that think we're crazy and we're doing all the wrong things, but we'll bring them in, engage them on these work groups, engage them in these opportunities to let them understand and see, we're not hiding anything, guys. This is what it is. Be part of the conversation. Your agenda will get through just as much as somebody else's agenda because we're all working for the same thing. Yeah, I think that is so smart. And I think that's a a nugget that I hope that the listening audience like really, you know, kind of leans into because we've seen so many communities really struggle with the growth is coming, whether the economic development team is like even super aggressive about it in some places. And so it's coming and it's hard to then get to the final line or maybe even post announcement and have a lot of pushback. Like that's just difficult for the community, for the elected officials. It's just a really big struggle. And so I think it's so smart to say, hey, we know we're going to grow and let's have a plan for that so that we are being, you know, conscientious of the environment and the people who maybe are kind of thinking like we don't want this in our backyard. I think it just, it makes everything easier for the company and to grow and be successful there. And obviously a lot easier on the elected officials, a lot easier on you and and everybody involved. So let's shift gears for a second and talk about your leadership, because I think that throughout the podcast, to me, it's been so clear, like many of your strengths, right? But I'm curious to hear you kind of say, like, if you were asked, like, what's your economic development superpower, kind of that greatest leadership strength that you have, how would you define that for yourself? That's a tricky question too, uh, on so many levels. Um, You know, I pride myself on my team. So it's hard to sort of highlight myself as a distinguisher on that because it's surrounding yourself with great people. And and it's such a critical thing for me is, uh, you know, my team, when I inherited my team, we had a different style of leadership and I I came in really empowering the team. And, you know, I tell them every day and it was a struggle at the beginning that I want to be challenged. I don't want to walk into the room, sit down, share my idea and everybody nods at me in agreement. That's the worst thing I could have. And it's really been a a narrative that has really helped us grow is that we're empowering. So for us, you know, we've instituted a lot of things internally. Culture is important to me, uh, as you can hear through through the narrative here. It's, It's important that our team gets it, that they're all part of it. They're all voices carry weight. So we do things like book clubs internally to kind of make sure we're challenging ourselves every day to, to look at how we're doing it, use examples from others, and then push ourselves. So to me, it's just really, it's that fundamental of just getting out of the way of people, letting mm-hmm. them do their job, make their decisions uh, that they need to make, knowing that I'm going to support them and fight for them in front of our board, in front of our public sector leaders, whatever it is, knowing that they're armed with the right information. Um, they're going to make those decisions. They don't need to look to one individual to do that. What I love to do is go out there. In my mind, one of my strengths is really that strategic vision. I love to go out there 
build the relationships that economic development is based on, whether it's building our region, building larger partnerships, helping the industry evolve in the best way it can. To me, that's really where I try to spend my time. All of that permeates through the team and ultimately creates that success. So for me, it's just it's really just getting out of the way and, and providing just steering the ship, making sure we're going in that right direction, and then jumping out of the way to make sure that everybody feels they can contribute meaningfully, not just contribute, but meaningfully contribute into, into our success. Yeah, I think that's so cool. And when you were talking earlier, you know, you could you could see that your love for strategy, you're a strategic thinker. But I also think that there's something about the boldness of like, I'm going to think about strategy, but sometimes you can do that, like confined in the, you know, your own little brick walls. And you're just like very bold and fearless about like, hey, I'm going to include people, not just team, but all of the local officials. I'm going to go at groups that, you know, and include them that maybe I know it's going to shift the strategy from where we originally decided, but we'll be better for it. And so I think that's also one of your strengths is just that like deep belief in what you're doing, but translated through that, that courageous, you know, courageous power of like, we're going to go after it. And, you know, we know we're going to meet resistance, but I'm not afraid of a challenge and afraid of taking risks. And to me personally, I think that's what helps inspire a team when your leader is not afraid to take a risk. It makes you feel like you can also take a few risks and you'll have somebody behind you. And that is magnetic for teams. Well, 100%. I mean, I I just, I have an internal thing and my team will will laugh when they hear this podcast because it's exactly what I tell them every day. But, you know, when we bring ideas forward that we've done last year or the year before, and they're bringing me back the same thing. No, blow this up. Let's start again. There's got to be a better way to do it. And let's do it. Let's not Mm -hmm. stop there. Uh, It's funny. So even use the example of our familiarization tour we're doing in a couple, a couple of weeks here. It's not one that we're sitting here saying we need to do the same exact thing. It was very successful. It was great feedback. But guess what? Let's blow it up and figure out there's another way to do it. And that's what everything we do. So we're constantly trying to make sure we stay present, we evolve, we innovate. Uh, It's something I know our industry hates because change is hard for so many people. But for us, the more you innovate, the more you change, the more you stay current and relevant in the conversations that are current day, right? Right now, that's what we need to be confronting is right now and in the future. What are we looking at as we go forward? If we're not evolving ourselves and we're not changing, we're not addressing the future needs of our community. And that's really what I keep pushing internally is the team. Keep thinking about what this looks like now, future, and let's make sure we're going after ideas. We'll try anything. We're not shy about saying, let's try it once. Great. If it works, let's keep going. If not, let's move direction. Yeah, I love that. And I I feel like a lot of people, you can get in that like rinse and repeat cycle. And just like you said, the fact of the matter is business isn't on a rinse and repeat cycle when they're really successful at what they do. Our communities aren't on a rinse and repeat cycle. And at least we don't want to live in a community that is. And so you have to aspire to not be in that cycle because you don't want to stay there. I mean, it's comfortable there for a little while, but no humans really want to always stay there. And so you kind of always have to be, you know, pushing a little bit outside of the, you know, out of the comfort zone, which is really cool. Well, Jason, it has been so fun to have you on the podcast. I always learn a lot when we're together. Like I said, you just have a lot of enthusiasm about the industry, about where you're at, your team, your passion for economic development just rings true and everything that you do. And it's an honor to have you as one of the top 50 economic developers this year. And it's an honor to be coming back to San Marcos to, to check the place out and see what a year in a year, what has happened down there. So we'll see you soon. 
Thank you so much. Appreciate again the opportunity. Can't wait to see you guys in a couple of weeks, certainly, and then certainly down later this year at Columbus. So, so thank you very much for the opportunity. Awesome. Thanks for sticking with us till the very end. This podcast is sponsored by Research on Investment, Lead Generation for Economic Development, and Gazelle AI. Spend more time closing, less time chasing. Did you like what you heard today? Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The America's Jobs Team podcast is audio engineered by Andrea Fuller and produced by Faye Davis.